What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Missing Persons. back everybody to another episode of speaking of missing persons uh sarah is telling our story today but before we get to that a little bit of business um wherever you're listening make sure you're giving us five stars leaving a review it helps us get to more people because it kind of pushes us up the charts a little bit more easier to find also make sure you check out our other shows speaking of murder and speaking of hauntings if you like this you'll definitely like both of those and uh, if you want to see photos from today's case, check out our Instagram at Missing Murdered Haunted. And one other thing, uh, here's an announcement. We are starting a Patreon. It is going live next week, and our first bonus episode is going to be out on Saturday of next week, uh, the 30th. So make sure you go subscribe to that so you can get all the episodes from all three of our podcasts ad-free and all of the bonus episodes, which there will be one every other week. So enough of the business. Sarah? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about a missing person. All right, so I decided that I'm going to take you for another very short trip, guys. We're staying in Missouri. Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. I won't even bother packing a bag. (laughs) How far away are we? It's kind of in the same area as Skidmore. Oh, Oh, really? Okay, so a couple hours? Yeah, this place is called Clinton, Missouri. It's like pretty much the same as Skidmore, small town, farming community, kind of everybody knows everybody kind of deal. Monica Lewinsky's never visited there. <laughs> what? Clinton, Missouri. Oh. Uh. <laughs> that went over all of our heads. Like it's all right. I actually giggled. Someone will appreciate that one. <laughs> I appreciate it now, <laughs> but at the time, I had no idea what you were talking about. So we're going to talk about a girl named Angela Hammond. She was born February 9th, 1971, and at the time of her disappearance, she was 20 years old. It seemed like everything was going really good for Angie. She had a job as a bank clerk. She was taking classes at Central Missouri State University, and she was engaged to a really good guy named Rob Schaefer. Hey, there's Robert. (laughs) Robert. I swear to God, I can't, like, find a case that doesn't have a Rob, a Bob, a Robert. I feel like Robert is probably one of the most common names. You would think that, but, like, on a lot of those common baby name charts, I don't think it's even close to the top. Weird. I know my name was on it for quite a few years in the 80s, was like number one, which I was like, great. It (laughs) really sucked in school, just so you know. But anyway, (laughs) not only did she 
have this really good boyfriend and really good job. She was four months pregnant with her with their first child. Rob was an athlete and planning to join the military when he graduated high school in a couple months. He was still in high school. Um, everyone that knew them said they loved each other a lot and had all these plans together. Well, on April 4th, 1991, Angie and Rob had been hanging out, but she dropped him off at his... So some reports said that they lived together and some said they didn't. So I'm just going to say she dropped him off at his mother's house. Okay. Because I don't really know if they lived together or didn't. Okay. Because there's like conflicting things. Well, she dropped him off at his mother's house at around 10 p.m. because he was supposed to babysit his little brother while his mom was at work. His mom oh, worked okay. third shift. I was going to say. Well, she went to hang out with her friend Kayla during this time, and they drove around in her car, in Angie's car for a little bit, and then she dropped Kayla back off. And at 11.45 p.m., she called Rob from a payphone that was at the corner of jefferson and second street and it was in a grocery store parking lot but the grocery store was closed so it's like she's the only one in this parking lot right now using a payphone which is scary because everything said that she didn't have a phone at home so she would either just be hanging out with rob or she would call him from like pay phones and And what year was this 91 so okay uh, Okay. for for some of our younger listeners who may not be aware cell phones weren't a thing at that time house phones were fairly common but even that not everybody had so pay phones were common yeah they were all over the place yeah well this pay phone was only seven blocks from Rob's house. And she stopped there to call him to kind of let him know, hey, I'm heading home now. Because some reports said that he was supposed to meet back up with her that night when his mom got off work. So she was just letting him know she was going home. Well, Angie noticed that a green Ford pickup truck was circling the block. While she was standing and talking to Rob on this payphone. It then pulled up to the payphones. A man got out of the truck and tried to use the phone next to her. He then got back into his truck. It was like, I guess the way Angie was describing it to Rob was like that phone didn't work or something. Like It, It was broken somehow. Yeah, because he like picked it up, dialed a number, nothing happened. So he hung it back up and went and got back in his truck. So she's explaining what's happening to Rob because the man was making her nervous. Yeah. And it was almost like she knew she should get in her car and leave, but she was also afraid to hang up the phone with Rob. To walk to to her car. To walk to her car. Completely understandable. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. After sitting in his truck for a short time... The man got back out holding a flashlight. He walked around the truck like he was looking for something. At this point, Angie described the man and his truck to Rob. She said he was a filthy Caucasian man with glasses, a beard, and a mustache, wearing overalls 
and he was driving an older late 60s to early 70s model two-tone green pickup truck and the truck had a uh like you know you've seen these trucks before that have the fish jumping yep in the yeah. back window uh-huh. like it's yep. jumping into water that yep. was on the back of the back window and she told him like, like a decal yeah it's like yeah I'm a, just, I'm just but it's like to... it covers the whole back window of the fish is the usually truck. a bass yeah yeah so at this point rob was like well maybe he's just waiting to use the phone if the other one is broken so angie asked the man if he needed to use the phone that she was on and he told her no he would try the other one again in a minute but all of a sudden rob heard angie scream and the man say i didn't need to use the phone anyway so rob dropped the phone he was on at his house, ran to his car, and drove towards the grocery store where Angie was. But on his way there, he passes this green truck going in the opposite direction. So he, like, he says that he saw Angie in this truck and that she was leaning over the driver, screaming out the window at him, asking for help. So he whips his car around and... follows this truck for about two miles and the truck just makes a sharp turn onto a like a dirt road like a side dirt road through the woods and when he tried to make that sharp turn he kind of wrecked his car and the transmission failed oh Oh, shit. shit oh no and of course the truck sped out of sight right when he got back to so to get back he pretty much had to hitchhike at this point to get back to a phone. Right. And the person who picked him up took him straight to the police station. So the police at first were kind of like, okay, that's this is like a crazy story that you're telling us a little right. bit. But they didn't want to not take him seriously. So they started like an extensive search and they even um, called in the Missouri Highway Patrol and were having them stop any green truck that matched this description. You know, I'm really glad that they're taking this seriously straight out of the gate. Yeah. But it says they pulled over hundreds of trucks and they were all ruled out. So police had no leads. So then they started to truly question Rob's story and are like, okay. I mean, they didn't go to where Rob's car was and oh, they drive did. down this dirt road? They did. Okay. His car was there exactly where he said it was. Like, they took this whole back road and everything looking for this person and they found nothing. So they pretty much asked Rob to take a polygraph test. And he did. And he passed. So they immediately stopped looking at him as a suspect. Some of the articles I read said they did look at her ex-boyfriend a little bit, but he too passed a polygraph test, and so they ruled him out also. Well, two witnesses came forward to say that they saw this truck in the area around 11.30 and 11.45, which is exactly when she was at this grocery store. Right. And Angie's abduction at first was connected to two other unsolved cases. All three cases took place within a 100-mile radius of each other and happened within, like, 
just over four months time frame of each other. So the first one took place in Max Creek, Missouri on January 19th, 1991. It was a 42-year-old convenience store worker, Trudy Darby, called her son that night and told him there was this suspicious man lurking outside the store. So her son drove like straight there. It took him like 10 minutes to get there. And when he got there, the store was completely empty and his mother was gone. Jeez. Police searched the surrounding area for Trudy, but they found nothing. Until two days later, they actually found her body 12 miles away and it was on a riverbank. She had been uh, raped and shot twice in the head. Poor Trudy. Jesus. The second case involved 32-year-old Cheryl Kinney. She also worked at a convenience store like 70 miles from Max Creek in a place called Nevada, Missouri. And on February 27th, 1991, she vanished after locking up the store when her shift was over. And police found her car still in the parking lot, abandoned, and it had, like, her stuff in it. So they thought she got abducted at her car, getting into her car. Two witnesses during that heard screaming in the area. Her body has also never been found. Really? So she's also still a missing person. Angie's case happened a little over a month after Cheryl's case. Investigators at the time believed they there was a serial killer on the loose but at some point well okay so they kind of were leaning towards this serial killer named Kenneth McDuff which I plan on looking into him because apparently he killed from 1966 to 1992 oh wow and I've never heard of this dude but they couldn't officially link him to any of these three girls. So it kind of just fell off because there was nothing to link him to it. Trudy's case was actually solved with convictions of half-brothers, Jesse Rush and Marvin Chaney, but Cheryl and Angie's cases are still unsolved to this day. In April of 2021, police released a new theory on the 30th anniversary of Angie's disappearance. And it gets, it's kind of confusing because it, nothing says when they got this letter given to them. But at some point, a drug informant received a letter that was like cut and pasted like with a magazine. Yeah. Okay. Like a ransom note, like yes. way back when. Yep. And so the thing is, this drug informant received this letter on the day Angie went missing, but have no idea when the police actually got this letter. Okay, I get you. Okay. Like when they actually saw it. Right. Gotcha. So the letter said, hello, and then it had like the prison numbers, like you know how each inmate has a number? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So it was to this specific inmate but that part is taken out of the letter so, so I, we can't see right who. you can't see who it was to but it says we know who you are people like you deserve what you get 
We know where your foxy daughter is at. She will see us soon and tell your wife she has our sympathy in her further loss. Goodbye. Well, was Angie's dad in prison? No. The thing is, is this letter was postmarked on the day Angie disappeared. The informant's daughter's name was also Angela. And she also lived in Clinton at the time. So they're theorizing now that whoever took Angie took the the wrong wrong Angie. Angie. So this was a mistaken identity. Right. So they're now trying to figure out who sent this letter. It's like a huge lead they have now. There's nothing to link Trudy or Cheryl to Angie except the time frame, really. But I just thought, like, since it was a thing that police actually believed back then, that it was worth I should tell their stories also. Yes. Um, police have literally never marked Angie's case as a cold case. There's been a officer working on this case since 2006 like he's been which means that he's getting tips right you can't close a case you can't cold case a case if you're getting tips in still so his name is detective dj parsons um at the time of her abduction angie was described as a four foot eleven 120 pound white female with brown hair and eyes she was tiny she was little and she had a scar on her upper lip and she wore contacts so there's a sixteen thousand dollar reward for information leading to the whereabouts of angela hammond and if you have any information involving this case you i also said if you have information involving cheryl kenny's case because I couldn't find who was working on her actual case. So just call the Clinton Police Department if you have information on either case. And their phone number is 660-885-5561. I totally believe this new theory. Like, she got kidnapped. Yeah, I don't think that these two missing persons have anything to do with each other. I don't think they do either. I kind of think that... Cheryl and Trudy's cases have something to do with each other, and they just couldn't pin Cheryl's murder on those two dudes. Not pin. Not pin. They couldn't connect it. Convict them because they had no body and no, like, evidence. I'm just going to say, Trudy died in a horrible way. Like, they, like, it was like a wild hair they got up their asses as they passed this gas station. They saw her in there alone. They were just like, we want to rape her. And they were half-brothers. And they went in. They took her. They put her in the trunk of their car. They drove her to the middle of nowhere by this barn. They both raped her. They shot her and put her back in the trunk to take her body to this riverbank. But when they... And they drug her because the way police described it is there was like a trail of blood leading to where her body was. Jesus. And when they like dropped her down on the riverbank, she was still alive. Oh, damn. So that's why they shot her twice is because she was still alive once they dumped her body at this riverbank. That's fucking horrific. Poor Trudy. And the one guy 
confessed to it all pretty quickly once he got caught and said his half-brother helped him. But the half-brother was like, no, I didn't. I was at home with my wife. And at first, same deal, his wife gave him an alibi until finally she, I guess, got unscared of him or something and was like, okay, I lied. He was not here. He was with his half-brother that night. I believe he did this. So I don't think he technically got convicted of that for a long time after it happened. Only the one brother did. I was like, that is fucking horrific. Like, she was just working, minding Mm -hmm. her business, and you just noticed her in this gas station alone. Yeah. That's why I hate when gas stations do that. Like, don't fucking put women in there alone. Don't put any nightly employee there. I used to work a gas station overnight, and I was there by myself, and it was, I I don't know if it's just different, me being a guy, or if it was the location of the place, but most most of the time, I never really worried about anything. Hell, half the time I'd bring a book with me to work, so I'd have something to do, because I would run out of shit to do after two hours, and the rest of the night I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs, trying not to fall asleep, so I'd bring a book, so I'd have something to do. But I almost never got traffic, and I was in that pretty high traffic area. I almost never, like, I would get, like, under 10 people over the course of the whole night. Please, convenience stores, gas stations, do not put anyone on a shift alone at night. Because there have been tons of murders of men just being being robbed. Robbed, yeah. Coming from someone who's been robbed at gunpoint at a gas station. Two people, you need two people. It's not cool. At least. All right, well, that's my story, guys. All right, well, if you like that, let us know. Give us five stars, leave a review, share it with your friends. If you have a case suggestion, send that over to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. Check out the Instagram for photos, at missingmurderedhaunted, and uh, check out our Facebook, Missing Murdered Haunted Podcast. Anyone have anything else they'd like to add in? Nope. I don't think so. No. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye.